on your uh, handout, so I'll tell you right from the start, just so you don't have to count them, there's nine pages, all right? I know, especially as a kid, I used to always look to the back to see how many page numbers there were, so I thought I'd let you know, just so it wasn't irking you, uh, the whole sermon, so. So as I said, you have a handout tonight, and uh, you certainly are welcome to use your Bible to look up any of these scriptures, but um, I have all the scriptures printed uh, for you on the handout in the ESV version. So you certainly are welcome to turn uh, to your Bibles to look up these things, but you have uh, them all before you in the handout. So to begin, I remember uh, back when I was younger, I remember a game that we used to play. This game... I don't know if it had an official title, but we used to always call this game, if you could bring three things to a deserted island, what would you bring? Now the answers varied, and since we played this game on the school bus on the way to uh, elementary school, uh, many of our answers probably didn't, um, wouldn't have actually helped us survive on a deserted island. But how about uh, we play a game, or maybe not a game, but just I'll present a scenario to you tonight to think about. If you could choose one thing to keep you secure, to keep you safe, to keep you protected in life, what would you choose? Think about your answer. What would you choose to be your security, your protection, your defense? You can choose anything. Well, this is exactly what we are going to be talking about tonight security in life, what you run to in life when you feel like you're in danger. What do you look to to give you a sense of safety? What do you trust in? So I'll turn uh, your attention to the handout. Our text for tonight is Proverbs 18, 10 through 11. So just two verses uh, from the Proverbs. And in Proverbs 18, 10 through 11, it says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. A rich man's wealth is a strong city and like a high wall in his imagination. So this proverb speaks of security in life. This proverb speaks of what is true security in life, what we can trust in, what we can rely on. And then it speaks of what is false security, what we cannot trust in, what we cannot rely on. So that's the approach we're going to take tonight uh, coming to this text, looking at what is true security first and then looking at what is false security according to Proverbs 18, 10 through 11. And then we'll ask the question, what this means for us? What is our security? So tonight we'll basically be following the outline on your handout. I might have a few more comments, but you basically have it all right out there in front of you. So I'm not going to present a theme right from the start. We're going to get to the theme um, a little bit later, but I'd like to first discuss what this proverb means. All right. What is the meaning uh, or what is the explanation of this proverb? So Roman numeral number one, what is true security? Proverbs 18.10 says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. Letter A, what is the proverb speaking of when it says the name of the Lord? If we look at Proverbs 18.10, right in the beginning, it says the name of the Lord. 
That's who this proverb is talking about. So if you look with me on your uh, handout at Exodus 34, 4 through 9, I think it gives us a good illustration or a good explanation of what it means as, or when it says, the name of the Lord. So starting in verse 4, it says, So Moses cut two tablets of stone like the first, and he rose early in the morning and went up on Mount Sinai, as the Lord had commanded him, and took in his hand two tablets of stone. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Verse 6 says, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving inequity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the inequity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. So we see from this passage, from Exodus 34, that this passage is saying that the Lord declared the name of the Lord. All right, and then in the following verse, we see kind of the explanation of this, how God explains himself. So if we see uh, in number two, if you look at uh, number two with us, it says, or with me, it says, the use of the phrase, the name of the Lord, is not simply speaking of the name or the word itself. All right? So when we think of the meaning in this proverb of it saying the name of the Lord, it's not speaking of just the word or the name itself, um, such as we might just use for identification. But in three, it says the use of the phrase, the name of the Lord, is speaking of the character behind the name, the attributes of the person, and the actions and the promises made in the past. So it is who the Lord is and what he has done that is being referenced in this proverb. All right? So by it saying the name of the Lord simply, we might say that it is talking about who he is. Not just the name, not just the word, but in saying the name of the Lord, it's talking about who he is, what he has done, what he has promised uh, or done in the past. Letter B says, what is the proverb speaking of when it says a strong tower? Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. This proverb uses a word picture of a tower here. All right, we're going to see real soon that it's comparing the Lord or the name of the Lord to a tower. But if you'll look with me on, your, or on page 2 at Judges chapter 9, 46-55, I'd like to read this just to give us a scenario or an example of what it means by a strong tower. How was a tower used? So it says in Judges 9, 46-55, it says, When all the leaders of the tower of Shechem heard of it, they entered the stronghold of the house of el Bareth. Abimelech was told that all the leaders of the tower of Shechem were gathered together. And Abimelech went up to Mount Zalman, he and all the people who were, who were with him. And Abimelech took an axe in his hand and cut down a bundle of brushwood and took it up and laid it on his shoulder. And he said to the men who were with him, What have you seen me do? Hurry and do as I have done. So every one of the people cut down his bundle and following Abimelech put it against the stronghold. And they set the stronghold on fire over them, so that all the people of the tower of Shechem also died, about a thousand men and women. Verse 50 says, Then Abimelech went to Thebes and encamped against Thebes and captured it. But there was a strong tower within the city, and all the men and women and all the leaders of the city fled to it and shut themselves in. 
and they went up to the roof of the tower. And Abimelech came to the tower and fought against it and drew near to the door of the tower to burn it with fire. And a certain woman threw an upper millstone on Abimelech's head and crushed his skull. Then he called quickly to the young man, his armor bearer, and said to him, Draw your sword and kill me, lest they say of me, A woman killed me. And his young man thrust him through and died. And when the men of Israel saw that Abimelech was dead, everyone departed to his home. Thus God returned the evil of Abimelech, which he committed against his father in killing his 70 brothers. And God also made all the evil of the men of Shechem return on their heads, and upon them came the curse of Jotham, the son of Jerubel. So I give you that uh, text, I give you that illustration just to represent what a tower was. Maybe we don't see them too often today um, being used for this purpose, but we see back in the book of Judges, um, uh, back in that day, that they were a place of safety. We see an example of a strong tower, and as number two says, it says, it was a place that could be used for safety. It was a place people trusted in for safety. It, was sep it separated them from danger, harm, and their enemies. Letter C. Letter C says, taking these two phrases together in this proverb, we see that God is compared to a strong tower. And this comes from Proverbs 18.10, which says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. All right, so taking our two phrases we've just looked at, and we now bring them together, and we see there's a comparison going on here. The name of the Lord is being compared to, or seen as similar, or alike, uh, to a strong tower. As number one says, it says, It is accepted as fact. We see here the, the writer of the proverb just states it. He states it as factual, that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. He doesn't say the name of the Lord sometimes is or maybe is a strong tower. He states it as fact. Number two, the Lord is impenetrable, is unbreakable, firm, and secure. There is nothing that can defeat the Lord. There is nothing the Lord cannot face, and there is nothing that cannot be conquered by the Lord. We get this all from the picture of the Lord being a strong tower. Number four, the Lord is a refuge, a place to go in troubling times. The Lord's protection is not only physical protection, but it is also spiritual protection as well. And we, we can kind of see this if we look at a different passage of Scripture. In Psalm 121, 7 through 8, it says, The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. So speaking of, in the sense of sin, of evil that might come upon you from someone um, influencing you to sin, possibly Satan. And then in verse 8, it says, The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. So we see the Lord's protection does not only deal with maybe the physical aspects, all right, as we think of different things that might protect us in life that only deal with physical things, but the Lord can also protect us spiritually. D says, The one who is righteous looks to God as their security. We look at Proverbs 18.10 at the second half. It says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. So let's pick apart this phrase just for a little bit. First off, what is, the, what is meant by the righteous man? Does it mean that he is perfect in all of his ways, that he is completely right in his conduct? I would say uh, not, not exactly. Certainly that 
is somewhat it mean, what it means to be righteous. But if we look at the, the word to be righteous in the Proverbs, we see that it is very similar to the term to be wise. All right? It's very similar. Um, if not, uh, the, the writer of the proverb uses it as the same thing. And I have a few uh, scripture passages kind of showing this um, thought process about the word righteous. And if we look at Proverbs 16, 17, it says, The highway of the upright turns aside from evil. Whoever guards his way preserves his life. So we see the upright, the righteous, the man who does right, seeks not to do evil. And then in turn, if we look at the next passage in, in number three, it says in Proverbs 8, 12 through 13, it says, I wisdom dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance, and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. So we see also in verse 13, we see because of um, the fear of the Lord, um, there is a hatred of evil. We see there's a connection with this fear of the Lord, and um, in this passage, it's uh, called Lady Wisdom, or a wise man fears the Lord and seeks not to do evil, or hates evil, as it says in verse 13. And then I have down there in uh, number 4 and 5, Proverbs 1, 7 and Proverbs 9, 10, which say, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. So if we go back up to the top of that page uh, in the small letter A, it says the one who is righteous is one who seeks not to do evil because of a fear of God. So we get this definition from seeing that the righteous and the wise are very similar, if not uh, synonyms in the book of Proverbs. So we see that the righteous is just simply one who's seeking not to do evil because of his relationship with the Lord, which is a fearful relationship, which is a submissive uh, obedience, a respect to God. Number two, the righteous run to God just like one would run to a tower. And this comes from Proverbs 18.10, which says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. So we see that the righteous will look for help from God. They trust in him. They pray to him. And they rely on him in a troubling time. So this is what this means by the righteous man runs into it. All right? Just like um, one who would be maybe fleeing from danger would run into a tower, so too the righteous run to God. They look to him in prayer. They look to him in a time of need and trust in him. So maybe a few examples, as I have down there in B. It says, in the midst of temptation to sin, praying to God, and I have a a spelling um, or a grammar error there, it's supposed to be praying to God to help you resist it. So when we are tempted to sin, we look to God for him to help us not to sin. C says, in the midst of a hardship in life, trusting God will work it out. And then lastly, as an example, in letter D, it says, when you realize that you have a big bill to pay, maybe for college, maybe um, just your normal bills that you pay, you rely on him to help you have the finances to pay it. So that's what it looks like for the righteous man to run to God, run to God looking for safety. Number three says, the result of the righteous turning to God is safety. As it says in Proverbs 18.10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. 
the righteous man runs into it and is safe. So the result is that they are safe. They are protected. B says the righteous is protected, secure, and defended by the Lord from whatever was against them. See, there is no question about it. If the righteous look to God, they will be secure. And as letter D says, there is no possibilities or possibility that God will not keep them secure and watch over them. So how amazing is that? If, we, if the righteous run to God, if they look to him in prayer, if they trust in him, the promise is or the fact is that God will keep them safe. And certainly it may not be exactly how they uh, see, maybe view safety in that moment, but it, God promises safety and he will work um, security, protection uh, for them. So if we think about this proverb, we looked at the first one, verse 10. And as we're going to see in the next, uh, the next verse, in verse 11, there's a contrast going on. All right, so you might have noticed that when we first read the verse, but there's a contrast going on in this proverb. So let's look at uh, Roman numeral number two, which says, what is false security? So we looked at what is true security, and simply put, it is God. The Lord is true security. He can protect. He can uh, keep us safe. Now, what is false security? And this comes from um, verse 11, which says, A rich man's wealth is his strong city, and like a high wall in his imagination. So let's kind of pick apart this verse to get a better understanding. Letter A. A, The rich look to their wealth as their security. As it says in Proverbs 18.11, a rich man's wealth is his strong city. So number one says, just as the name of the Lord was compared to a strong tower, here wealth to a rich man is compared to a strong city. So a strong city is not able to be broken into. A strong city is able to defend itself, and a strong city is prepared. So a rich man looks at his wealth or trusts in his wealth as a man would in in the city he lives in that is strong, that is powerful, that is uh, protecting. As number two uh, says, it kind of explains this uh, proverb further, money is their protection. Their wealth is their protection. Three says money is their safety. Four, we see here the rich man relies and is confident in his riches just as much as the righteous man is in God. So we see this uh, kind of this contrast uh, going on in, this, in these two Proverbs, and we see just as much as the rich man trusts in, um, or just as much as the righteous man trusts in God, so too just as much the rich man trusts in his riches, in his money, in his wealth. So there in 5 it says, Examples of looking to wealth for security in both our mindset towards, towards, um, towards it or towards our wealth and our actions in dealing with our wealth. So I don't have them listed there, but just to, to kind of uh, give you a few examples of this. If we think of first off our mindset, what does it look like for us to trust in our wealth in our mindset? First, maybe uh, thinking that our bank account and our paychecks uh, will help us pay our way through college and things you will need for college. Maybe another example is even here in the church. Our mindset might be uh, relying on the offerings giving weekly to provide for our needs as a church. Maybe as a third example in our mindset is in buying a house looking to how much we have accumulated over the years and is in our savings. So that's just, it comes out in a mindset. But also, as I have there, 
It comes out in our actions. It shows it in our actions if we're just trusting in our wealth. So a few examples of that is uh, people work and they work and they work so that they feel set for the future, so they can pay for their home, pay for their cars, and pay for their re retirement. Uh, people, a second example is people lie and cheat to gain more money because they think it will help them in the long run. A third example is people steal to gain money or more money so that they are not poor. Maybe a fourth example is people use their money to buy security systems, secure homes, fences as a protection from intruders. And as a last example, people find security in having money in that it provides what they need in life so that they are not poor, so that they uh, can get through hardship. So trusting in our riches comes out in both our mindset and also our actions. If you look at letter B with me, it says a word about the goodness of wealth. So I certainly didn't want to uh, just keep talking about what this uh, verse is saying and um, not talk about that wealth, riches, money, I'm certainly not talking down on them. Uh, Money is a great thing um, if it is, as we will see, if it is used wisely, if it is used in the right way. So if I can turn your attention to Proverbs 10, 15 through 16, it says, A rich man's wealth is his strong city. The poverty of the poor is their ruin. The wage of the righteous leads to life, the gain of the wicked to sin. So we see in letter A, it says, Wealth can be a good thing. It allows one to be prepared and sets up a temporary security. C says wages and income from work can lead to a well-lived life. So we see in these two Proverbs, in Proverbs 15 or 10, 15 through 16, that uh, riches are, in a sense, if they are used wisely, as it says, the wage of the righteous leads to sin. The righteous man uses his wealth, his money, in the right way. It can be a good thing. But at the same time, um, as it says at the end of verse 16, the gain of the wicked to sin. So they use it in the wrong way, in sinful ways. Number two says, so wealth is a good thing. It can be something that you can have a lot of and you are not sinning. But when you handle it wrongly, it can lead to sin. And S3 says, wealth is a good thing if it does not take the place of God in your life. So just a word about uh, the goodness of wealth, that it certainly isn't bad in and of itself. In letter C, it says, wealth is just the image of security. Proverbs 18.11 says, a rich man's wealth is his strong city and like a high wall in his imagination. So this verse shows the frailty of wealth, the false truth of wealth, the reality of wealth. It is just an image of security. If we think about maybe some movies that we've seen, maybe more so movies back in the day, but I'm sure they do it as well today, we think of sceneries, all right? So usually maybe it's like a mountain range or something like that. Uh, we think of sceneries often, especially maybe back in the day, but as I said today, they might be fake sceneries, all right? In our mind, we see them as something real. They look pretty real to us. They can make them look um, realistic, but that is only in our imagination. If we really were on the, the scene of where they were taping this movie, we'd see that the, it is really a fake scenery. The same thing goes with our riches. In the mind of the rich, he imagines that he is safe, that he is protected, that he is secure by what he's accumulated, but really this is just an imaginary confidence. It's all in his head. 
If you look with me at number four, it says, how is viewing your money as your security only in your imagination? I would present to you that there's two ways. The first way is that money can protect, but it is not definite. As we uh, looked at the, in, in letter B, as we looked at um, how our money is a good thing, if it's used wisely, we saw that it certainly could be used as a security, as a planning, um, and could be used as a good thing. But now we see in this letter A that money can protect, but it is not a definite. What I mean by this is in number one, it says, at any moment, your money could be stolen. At any moment, your money may have to be spent. And three, at any moment, the source of money may stop. For example, maybe losing a job. So our, our money cannot necessarily be counted on. It is not a definite protection. And letter B, it says, and this is the second way that our money, if we're viewing it as our security, this is just in our imagination. B says money cannot protect from everything. Firstly, spiritually, if we think of sin, our money cannot protect us from not sinning. Uh, maybe we could say in a few different ways it might, but for the most part, our money cannot help us from not sinning. But also, if we think of our eternal destiny, all right, our money cannot help us go to heaven. And then secondly, our money cannot protect us from even physical matters. All right, so in a sense it could, maybe um, buying the right things to keep us healthy, or, or if we get sick, buying this type of medicine. But in the long run, money cannot always and cannot always be trusted to keep us healthy. And then also maybe another example is money can't stop us from dying. If you look with me at Roman numeral number three, when we look at this proverb and its contrast, how completely opposite is the Lord and our wealth? The Lord is, is completely secure. But in letter, a, it's, I mean, letter B, it says, our wealth fluctuates so much. C says, the safety of the Lord offers, or the safety of the Lord offers is guaranteed. But we see our wealth offers no guarantee. E, the Lord puts forth a picture of security and it is real. And F, our wealth puts forth the picture of security and is fake. So we see this uh, contrast going on in Proverbs uh, 1810 in Proverbs 1811, and we see that this contrast shows that the Lord and our wealth are completely opposite. All right, the Lord brings uh, a trust from us, a reliance that we can certainly count on Him, but our wealth, on the other hand, if we trust in it, if we rely on it, it does not, or we cannot count on it. Count on it. So we get our theme. All right, so kind of after looking at what this proverb is, we finally get our theme, and this is find your security in God and not your money. Again, it's find your security in God and not your money. And what I'd like to do now is just kind of turn to an illustration. All right, we kind of have seen what this proverb means uh, more of on an explanation-wise, but I'd like to look at, uh, at an illustration that I think will even bring this proverb uh, even more to light. So if you look with me on your sheets at uh, Second, Chronicle, Second Chronicles chapter 17 and chapter 20, these two chapters um, give us a picture of this proverb. Uh, King Jehoshaphat is going to be kind of the main uh, character of this, these chapters, and he presents to us, I think, a very good way of living out this proverb. 
So we're not going to look at both chapters in full, but I kind of have the, the chapters split up and then a few bullet points while, where I'll take a break and kind of just um, explain uh, how this shows that King Jehoshaphat lived out our proverb. So if you look with me first at 2 Chronicles chapter 17, verses 1 through 6, it says, Jehoshaphat, his son, reigned in his place and strengthened himself against Israel. He placed forces in all the fortified cities of Judah and set garrisons in the land of Judah and in the cities of Ephraim that Asa, his father, had captured. Verse 3, the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the earlier ways of his father, David. He did not seek the Baals, but sought the God of his father and walked in his commandments and not according to the practice of Israel. Therefore, the Lord established the kingdom in his hand and all Judah brought tribute to Jehoshaphat and he had great riches and honor. His heart was courageous in the ways of the Lord. And furthermore, he took the high places of the, in the Asherim out of Judah. So the two bullet point I, points I have there is, first off, we see that Jehoshaphat had great riches that all of Judah had given him, as we see the underlying part where it says, all Judah brought tribute to Jehoshaphat, and he had great riches and honor. And then secondly, the second bullet point says, we also see that Jehoshaphat was a righteous man. It says that he walked in the ways of his father, or as his great-great-great-grandfather David, and his heart was courageous in the ways of the Lord. So not only did he have wealth, not only did he have riches, but we see that he was also a righteous man. If you look with me at 2 Chronicles 17, verses 11 through 19, it says, Some of the Philistines brought Jehoshaphat presents and silver for tribute. And the Arabians also brought him 7,700 rams and 7,700 goats. And Jehoshaphat grew steadily greater. He built in Judah fortresses and store cities, and he had, had large supplies in the cities of Judah. He had soldiers, mighty men of valor in Jerusalem. And I'll stop there and just go over these bullet points. So we see here um, that other nations, such as the Philistines, such as the Arabians, brought presents to King Jehoshaphat. The Philistines, they brought silver. And then we see the Arabians brought both rams and goats. And then we see he had riches to build uh, large structures and a lot of supplies. So from these two passages, I just want you to get the point that King Jehoshaphat was a wealthy man. Not only was he king, but he had many riches. He had many, uh, much wealth. So let's look at the next two passages, and these are going to kind of show maybe what he did with his wealth, what he did, with it, did in a situation that he felt uh, in danger. So if you look with me first at 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 20, verses 1 through 4. It says, After this the Moabites and Ammonites, and with them some of the Menunites, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, A great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea. And behold, they are in Hazazon Tamar, that is, Engedi. And as verse 3 says, Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed the fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. So the first point says, Jehoshaphat was in a situation that meant life or death. We see that um, 
fear was due to the enemies coming to attack. So Jehoshaphat was in a situation where he felt unsafe, unprotected. He felt in danger. All right, and we'll see, or as we saw, we see that he did not respond by trusting in his material wealth. We see that he, had, he probably had much wealth to be able to buy maybe the best type of swords, the best type of weapons, the best chariots, um, possibly to be able to buy even more um, people to fight for him. But we see that he didn't rely on those things. He turned to the Lord in trust and in prayer, asking for him to work in this situation and to protect him and his people. And then as the last bullet point says, we see a great example of one who could have easily put his trust in his riches, but realized that they were useless while God was his true security. And then let's look at the last passage. Let's look at um, 2 Chronicles 20, verses 20 uh, through 30. It says in that passage, And then they, wrote, then they rose early in the morning and went out in the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah and, and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established because his prophets, because his prophets and you will succeed. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire. As they went before the Lord and say, Give thanks to the Lord, for his steadfast love endures forever. Then as verse 22 says, And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so that they were routed. For the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped to destroy one another. When Judah came to the watchtower of the wilderness, they looked toward the horde, and behold, there were dead bodies lying on the ground. None had escaped. And we'll stop there and just go over the last bullet point. It says, The Lord surely did, not, did keep King Jehoshaphat and his people secure. He protected them and worked safety among them. So if we think about this story, these two chapters, we think of first, we see that King Jehoshaphat was a wealthy man. He was a rich man. He had much uh, money or much wealth that he could potentially put his trust in. But then we see that King Jehoshaphat is given a situation where he's being attacked. It's a life or death situation, not only for himself, but also for his people. And we see that he doesn't trust in the wealth that he has, but we see that he looks to God. He responds in prayer asking God to help him, and then, as a result, we see that he was safe, that God surely defeated his enemies for him. So we see King Jehoshaphat is a great example of this Proverbs, or Proverbs chapter 18, verses 10 through 11. So last, lastly, the last question I have, or the last thing I have for you is, what do you find your security in? The last question, what do you find your security in? And just a few questions to kind of maybe get you thinking about this is, first off, what is your response to this proverb? What makes you feel protected in life? What makes you feel safe and secure? Do you make preparations to make sure you will be defended from harm? What precautions do you take to preserve yourself? What is your trust in? What do you rely on to feel safe? 
Without it, you would feel so unprotected. <clears throat> when we think of things like our physical protection from theft, is it our money we look to or to God? When we think of things like our future and how it will turn out, is it our money or is it God that we turn to? When we think of how we will fit in with others, is it our money or is it God that we look to for our security? And lastly, when we think of our kids and their protection, is it our money or to God that we look for security? So in closing, uh, the last Roman numeral I have down there for you is in closing, reflect on the words of the psalmist who lives out this proverb. It says in Psalm 61, 1 through 3, Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. So may we live lives that are filled with a constant trust in God, finding our security, our protection, our safety, and our defense in God and not our bank account. Let us pray together. Lord, I just thank you uh, for tonight, for the opportunity we have to look at your word. I thank you for the Proverbs and for the wisdom that they uh, portray, Lord, and we thank you for this proverb in specific. Lord, we thank you for just the way that it challenges us to look to you for our protection, for our security, Lord. You truly are the one true God who is real, who is mighty, who is powerful. And I pray, Lord, that in our lives, you would be the one that we look to in all situations, at all times where we don't feel safe, at all, at all times where we need protection. I pray that we would turn to you in prayer, that our mindset would be trusting in you, Lord. And I just pray with our wealth, Lord, with the money that we make on a daily basis, I pray that that would be used wisely, that it wouldn't be something that takes the place of you, Lord, but I just pray that we would uh, handle it wisely and our mindset about it would be to certainly use it, uh, use it for the right ways, but ultimately, Lord, I pray our trust would be in you rather than anything else. God, we thank you for being there for us and thank you for your promise that you will keep us safe. Lord, I just pray as we go now, go now into our everyday lives, as we leave tonight, pray that you would truly keep us safe and pray that we would seek to live for you. And in your name I pray, amen. You're dismissed.